Hello everyone, welcome to Tea Time Reports. This is Trevor here. I'm joined by Caden and we're going to be discussing uh, our final USFL and chill episode of this season, the second season of the USFL's modern revamp. Um, the season obviously just finished this past weekend. We're going into the playoff weekend, uh, the divisional championship games, and uh, we'll have coverage at post of those games as well as post-championship game. But uh, this will be our last episode regarding the regular season. Um, so we're just going to pretty much be going over not only predictions for playoffs, but uh, stat leaders. We're going to go over the all-USFL team that was uh, released, the special teams, the defense, and the offense. And we'll also be talking about um, probably just some stat leaders and stuff like that and just expectations going uh, into playoff weekend. But obviously the quarterback position is the most important, if not one of the most important positions in all of sports. And I think everyone knows that. So if the quarterback's not doing well, then the team's not doing well. And if you have a league full of quarterbacks that suck, then the league's not going to go well. And we saw from season one to season two, in my personal opinion, we saw a massive jump in quarterback play um, where people quarterbacks were struggling to even touch 2K yeah. passing yards or just total yards. I don't even think they touched 2K. Like, so? I, I, I think it was, I think Jordan Tayamu was the only guy that passed 2,000 oh, yeah, passing right, yards yeah. last year, yeah. and it was barely. Um, but now, the, three, the three-headed dragon of the USFL this past season, if you will, was Case Cookus, Alex Magoo, and McLeod Bethel-Thompson. Um, they were all within 100 total yards of each other. Um, it, you love to see that. Uh, Case Cook is a quarterback for the Philadelphia Stars. Alex Magoo, a quarterback for the Birmingham Stallions. And McLeod Bethel-Thompson, quarterback for the New Orleans uh, Breakers. I almost said Saints, but it's the Breakers. Um, but they've all three of these guys had really good seasons statistically. Um, Case Cook has only won four games, sadly. Case Cook, uh, Alex Magoo is... You know they're eight and two, and McLeod Bethel Thompson they're six and four going into the playoffs. But one thing I did want to ask you about, I guess those three guys, Caden, is not only with like the jump from season one to season two, but out of I guess these guys, who's your favorite player, and like why do you think they couldn't do what you thought they would do, or why do you think they surprised you? I'm gonna go hands down favorite player, Case Cookus. Uh, I I don't know. I think it's pretty obvious just for me, at least, just because uh, you know being a Philadelphia Stars fan and watching what he did last season, you know, put legit the entire team on his back so many times. You know, when when Scott got injured last year, it was it was kind of like you know who's gonna step in and be the guy because it looked like Brian Scott was just going in there and making those crazy plays. You know, he was like the heart and soul of our entire team. We didn't really think it would get much better than that. Yeah. And then you saw Case Cookus come in there, rejuvenate the entire team, go on that winning streak, go to the playoffs, win that first game in the playoffs, go to the championship, you know, lead in the championship. Lead in They the would have won if he didn't break his leg, man. And he broke I, his fucking leg. Bro. I firmly believe that about Case Cookus. He has the heart of a lion, and I think... You know, this this season showed especially. Yeah. It's just, you look at how many times he got sacked, and if those sacks over were not 30. as prevalent, we would have, it's, it, we would have, like, been, we would have won, like, seven games last year. And he would have been, hands down, way more yards than he, than he has. Yeah, and total yards, he had over 2,572, and um, 
Again, that's total yards, so that's his rushing and throwing included. He had the most, right, out of anybody? Uh, he, he's Yeah, he led in quarterback total yards there, but not passing yards. So no, but total yards for everybody in the whole league. Oh, um, total, yeah, total yards, yeah. But um, he, uh, you know, this was kind of a down year for the Stars, and it sucked to see. But they, like you were talking about, Brian Scott, shout out to Brian Scott in the CFL and the Toronto uh, Argos, I believe. Um, but... We started out one and three with him. The stars did last year, and then Case came in. They went six and four. And they only went four and six this year. Yeah, you know, and they could have won. You know, three of those games they lost, but they had battles in the north. I mean, thirty-seven, thirty-one with the Generals and the Maulers in the final yeah. four weeks. Those are tough games. They just couldn't execute and win. But what really kind of you know sucked to see was you know at the halftime. Um, of the the final game of the season against the Panthers, Bart Andrus, the head coach, he's like, yo, this guy's a not he didn't say fucking, but he said this guy's a fucking warrior. Mm-hmm. This guy's the you know one of the most courageous people I've ever met because dude, he was getting destroyed in that game. Breland Speaks, Ethan Westbrooks, Garrett Marino, they were all in his lap, and he was dropping dimes and kept them in the game. They were smoking them in the first half, and then yeah. we all know what happened with EJ Perry's famous EJ first Perry. start, bro, in this fucking EJ league. Perry. But uh, that, that was a that was a fun game. The crowd was loud, and honestly, Case Cookies is a fan favorite. Yeah. So I think you know next year if he is in the league, which you know I hope he is. I hope that uh, obviously I hope that all these guys get a chance in the NFL. Mm-hmm. But if you know, I, I don't want to say it like in a negative way, but if you if you're a player and you know you know, I'm only going to be you know, doing practice squad. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm not going to be able to play and feel that rush. You make more money. Way more money in the NFL. No matter what you say or what you you try and draw up there, you're going to be making more money in the NFL. But you're not going to have as good of a shot. You're not going to have as good of a shot, but at the same time, you're not. You don't hear the crowd for you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You're not. You're not. You're not at helm. Mm-hmm. You but know. I'd also say uh, you know, go into the USFL because everything is about money. No matter what, when it comes down to it, everything's about money, and. When guys, instead of going into the practice squad, they gamble on themselves to go into the USFL, try to put some tape out. Mm. And you really do like to see that because it's not just about getting, you know, getting getting on practice squad and getting like a little bit extra money. If you go to the USFL, you really put your shot out like Kamonte Turpin. If Kamonte Turpin wasn't in the USFL last year, do you really think he would have gotten the shot he got in the NFL? I don't think no. so. No, not at all. Now, now he has a three-year, now he has a three-year contract. And he's making millions of dollars. You know, it's just all, all because of his performance in the USFL. It stemmed all from that. And uh, I don't know, it just seems like it's a better option to get more money. If, I agree. If I'm going to say. I mean, there's a chance. I mean, even the uh, assistant GM of the New York Giants was asked this a couple, couple days ago. Um, one of the reporters, they were like, what are your thoughts on... You know these alternative leagues, and what are you looking at to to kind of get out of it as an NFL club? And what he said was, um, you know, it, it it may not be game day ready starters coming out of these leagues, mm-hmm. but you know what you can find? You can find a role player. Mm-hmm. You can find a, you know a depth guy. You know you need linebackers. There's there's a surplus in this exactly. league. There's yeah. fucking great linebackers. Chris Orr, Frank Ginda, Kiava Tazino. I'm hearing buzz about Reuben Foster potentially getting talked to by the Dolphins. I, I don't know if that's 100% true, but if that is... His knees are done, bro. No as, as, a depth, as a depth guy, you know, why not? I just, I just, Practice squad? It would be so weird to see him in, a, in another NFL But it would be now. so fucking cool. Yeah. 
Because, like, this was his first time back on a field since 2019. Mm-hmm. I mean, he... I, I don't think it was a contact injury that destroyed his knee. Yeah. I think it, it was, was another time. I think it was a non-contact injury. And, you know, granted, he looks like a mummy out there. He yeah. has a cast on his right and his left arm that, you know, he looks like RoboCop. Mm-hmm. I, I feel bad for the guy. Yeah. You know, it's That's just a lot of injuries that just kind of compounded over time. And it was good to see him out there. And, and honestly, when he's on the field, he is the smartest defensive player on the field. Mm-hmm. Like, he he causes those interceptions, especially that four-interception performance by their defense in week, uh, I think, nine against the Panthers. I mean, that was that showed you what he was, bro. He was dropping into coverage deep, forcing Josh Love to layer balls into the safety's laps. And it was it, you saw him being there. He was a consistent factor whenever he started or whenever he played. The only reason he didn't make all USFL is because he missed those two games. He so, make all US fans. No, it's because That's bullshit. He, well, he he missed two games, so I can't no, say. It doesn't even matter. He's hands down like well, the best. He wasn't. I don't think he was top five in any category on defense because of missing those two games. Which, no. it's fair. You know, if you have Keava Tazino, Frank Ginda, Chris Orr, those guys deserved that linebacker position in, on the All USFL team. But um, moving forward to. Some of the accolades. Some of the accolades, but real quick, going over Alex Magoo's season, he had a great season, kind of a historic season, if you will, for the USFL. Um, a passer rating of greater than 95 is considered very good for one game. Mm-hmm. And this is via Luke Miller here on Twitter, uh, at Luke Miller PFN, good guy. Uh, Alex Magoo's pass rating was below 95 only once this season. It was greater than 100 in 8 out of 10 games. His regular season passer rating was 108.3. I, I mean, that's, that's, crazy. that's it's crazy. You're, he's playing at a different level yeah. and a different speed. What were your thoughts on Alex Magoo's MVP season this past year? You know, I was thinking Alex Magoo, he does not deserve to be in this league. Mm. But, but it's just, there's such a... Uh, it's a niche for quarterbacks in 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 the uh, in the NFL. It's like you have to be the perfect, you know. If you're gonna be a backup, set thing, you, you need to go eighteen or twenty two exactly. for hundred and fifty yards. That, that's the one thing in NFL they don't fuck around about is the quarterback play. Like mm. if you're a shit quarterback, you're not on the team. You are not on the team, and uh, it's just he can he can make those pro level passes, and I've seen it happen. You know, with my eyes, I've seen him make pro-level reads and, and pro-level passes. And I, I've seen him shift his body in ways that, you know... There's a few NFL, guys that can do that. Yeah, NFL players do. Not not, and, not uh, even all. Exactly. Only, only the good ones. Only the good there's ones. There's like four that. or five quarterbacks mm-hmm. that can do what they can do exactly. with their bodies and arm-throwing motions that Alex Magoo was doing this past now, year. Now, granted, he is in the USFL, so you, you have to like take that into a little bit of account. But he's there, padded right? up. But this, is game, this is game time. This isn't mm-hmm. this isn't a pajama pro day like Zach yeah. Wilson. This is he's getting hit, but it's a lot slower though. It's a lot slower, like but it's still ball. Slower. Yeah, I mean, ball. look at Chad Kelly up in the CFL. Yeah, I mean, no matter what level of ball you're playing, you could be playing college, you could be playing USFL, XFL. Though those are aren't as fast as the NFL, and I think everyone knows that, or at least should know that. Yeah, but if you're a player. And you're playing at a different speed from those levels. Mm-hmm. You're at least a exactly. practice squad or backup in mm-hmm. the NFL. He can he can definitely be a backup in the NFL. Just from what I've seen, he can be a backup in the NFL. And it's funny we you know we talked about the earlier 
in the year we talked about Case Cookus being mm-hmm. on the 49ers and if they activated him that day, mm-hmm. you know, against the Eagles. Eagles. Yeah. You know, we may have seen what would what you would call is one of the worst performances. You know, maybe a reception, at least, because they had nobody who could throw the ball. But both of the both of the players injured the UCLs. I'm just saying that you don't know what you have in these guys in mm-hmm. the NFL unless you've seen them play a preseason game, yeah. which you've seen Alex do. I've we've seen, seen Slaughter him, do it. you know we've seen Slaughter do it. We've seen these guys do it, and Slaughter's a preseason king. He is. Yeah. But the fact that, you know, they still get overlooked and passed up on for guys like John, jo- Josh Johnson. Josh Johnson, yeah. I, or, or fucking for the longest time, McCowns. The mm. McCown brothers. Like, guys that can't play. Yeah. Like, that legit can't play, but they still mm. get started because they have that experience. Now, in their day, McCown was pretty good, but... I mean, was he ever? No, compared to, like, what... Like, he would be better than... He's a better NFL quarterback than Alex Malou could ever be, in my I mean, opinion. we, again, don't know that. No, I've never seen... He played, consist- he played, but was he ever good, is what I'm saying, in the NFL. Wasn't bad. I mean, he was bad for some of it, but... He was, he was on, like, like, 20 teams, is is what I'm, but I'm he, going at. But he still here. started, though. That's all he I'm still started, but, again, he was drafted. Yeah. Probably mm-hmm. not in the seventh round like Magoo. Yeah. I'm saying that if Magoo got the chances that, you know, a Josh McCown got yeah. back in the day, like, mm. got actual productive help when he got drafted and actually was given a chance, mm. um, I you know, maybe we would see something out of Magoo, but I can't maybe. sit here and compare the two right now because Magoo's never played an actual yeah. NFL game day st- snap. Mm. Never. He's played preseason. Yeah. McCown's played preseason. If we compare those numbers, I'm sure we'd find a surprise, mm. but I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and argue that, but I agree with you because Josh McCown has started. He's he's done things in the NFL. He's played against high-level defenses, mm-hmm. um, but in my personal opinion, he has never done anything mm-hmm. fucking good in the league. I've never seen him be good, yeah. I, and I that's where I just that's where I say like these alternative leagues are important for that reason. Mm-hmm. I'm tired of seeing washed up, you know, same, guys. Same, you know, same I don't want to see Jake Fromm take a yeah. snap. I, I you know like Ian I, Book. I don't yeah, exactly. I don't want to see that. I don't mm-hmm. care. I, I, I want to see these guys that have actually played a full season. Yeah. That it, you know, Even if it's not in the NFL, but they played a full season with a mm-hmm. team. They led a team. Alex Mugu just led this team. They're 19-3 and three yeah. in two years. That's mm-hmm. that's an accomplishment. Right? J.M.R. Smith did help in that first game. J.M.R. Smith absolutely did I help. About him. We, and we won't. Shout out to J.M.R. You know, I hope they, they give him a little drive yeah. when they destroy the breakers this Sunday night. But what I'm specifically saying is these are game these are games. Like you're practicing with first team, even though it's first team in USFL practices, mm-hmm. you're actually getting that experience getting of being a starter. Game time reps, yeah. Like being an actual starter, like having the pressure on you. Are you Not gonna drop this? Drills. And you see you see all the guys that will never mm-hmm. make that next leap. Which is terrible to say, but I mean, you see it. Like, the biggest thing you pointed out this past year was the thing I hate the most about this league is the fucking drops. Yeah. Those guys, I mean, you drop a fucking check down that, a little flat right down. That is one thing that that's pro football does not tolerate. Exactly. But when you see a guy that's legitimately averaging a passer rating that's greater than 108 mm-hmm. out, of 10, out of 10 games, that's that, yeah. that has to be looked at, bro. Yeah. That actually has to be broken down and looked at because that is still football. 
There's yeah. only a very minimal like rule changes regarding the USFL compared to the NFL, and that the, the rules don't affect the quarterback play, other than the roughing the passer review call. But I would say the level... Is, the, the quality is, of play, exactly. yes. The quality but of play. You, you do see names in there, though. Mm-hmm. Like Ethan Westbrooks. Like, you see the pressure guys. Like, these guys aren't just getting tackled by, mm-hmm. j- like, jits. Mm-hmm. Like, they're getting tackled by dogs. Like, Frank Ginda had 104 tackles in 10 games. Yeah. That's, that's fucking crazy, bro. Like, that's, cr- like, that's actually crazy. And then you see guys that, oh, look at this guy. He just had a great game. Two tackles and one tackle for loss on an NFL Sunday. Yeah. And I see Frank Ginda... Getting 11 solo tackles, two tackles for loss, and being tied and leading for interceptions as a fucking linebacker. Yeah. And the guy is not even getting a call? Not, you know, like, what? Mm-hmm. You, you know, that's the type of shit that I'm like, okay. You know, mm-hmm. this is why I support these leagues. Because, you know, if you can give these guys any kind of experience to be at that, you know, kind of top level, not with the quality of play, obviously, yeah. but at least feel like you're the starter. You know, you're team captain. Mm-hmm. You're not fucking linebacker five. On a practice squad, yeah, you're actually a starter. You know, mm-hmm. I think that's important. But I, I do agree with you that the speed of the game is way different. But you can't say it's impossible to happen though, because you see guys like uh, like uh, PJ Walker, who was in the XFL. He started in some NFL games, won some NFL games. He won two in a row. Overtook Baker Mayfield exactly as a starting quarterback. But that's you what see Taylor Heineke come in. Taylor Heineke comes in. In one of the hardest divisions in the entire league, probably the hardest, most competitive Nearly division beats in the entire Tom league. Brady in the playoffs. Yeah, it, it, he really would have. That that one game where he was in the first round of the playoffs when and he dove, dove for the that pylon. Yeah. Play Dude. of the of the game. That was the closest we ever. That like that was the hardest game we ever we ever faced in that entire playoff run. Like they gave us a harder shot, a harder run for our money than the Chiefs did in the Super Bowl. Oh yeah. Like, oh, yeah. The Commanders? Chiefs, Chiefs put up fucking three points. Commanders put up, what, 31 in that game? It, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was something, bro. I mean, it was a tight game. Yeah. And, you, and you saw Taylor Heineke be that dog in the AAF, but he was a backup there. Yeah. Backup. And that alone is the the example that I should have used off rip. Mm. There was a backup AAF yeah. quarterback that started in an NFL playoff game. Started in multiple regular seasons. No, fuck, well. fuck that. He, I mean, he's been a he was he was a starter for like almost a season, bro. Won a lot of games as well. I mean, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't. Good. I'm not gonna say he was bad, but for a spring league for player, for a backup like, AAF player, like come on now, that that's really fucking good. He was for, the for backup what he is. quarterback on an AAF team, mm. and he started in an NFL playoff game against Tom fucking Brady, mm. and almost won. and almost won. You're telling me, and anyone out there is telling me that Alex Magoo can't go. You know, go to a poverty franchise, you know. Say Desmond Ritter on the Falcons just fails. He was better. He's better for the Stallions than P.J. Walker ever was in the NFL. Oh, oh, dude, this is... This, in my opinion, might be... Besides Jordan Te'amu's season with the D.C. Defenders, who just fucking lost in the championship game against a 4-6 and team, I hope that doesn't happen. You know what I'm saying? Knocking on wood for Alex Magoo because the full circle moment is real. But let me just say this. I don't think I've seen a better spring quarterback season than Alex Magoo's this year. Watching him play. What about uh, that... uh, I know we didn't physically see it, but uh, what is it? Jim Kelly? Well, I... I guess yeah, for the for the gamblers, yeah. dude, he threw for like fifty four hundred yeah, passing yeah, yards yeah, like and like thirty eight touchdowns. Yeah, like fifty touchdowns. Some like, crazy bro, shit, bro. But that's but that's like let me just say this. That's Jim that's Kelly. A Hall of Fame. That's like a Hall he's of Fame. he's in the you know like yeah. 
Yeah, let's mm-hmm. leave that there. Okay. That's the exception. But in this modern age of alternative mm-hmm. leagues, yeah, this is yeah, the he's best. definitely the best. Alex Magoo is the best quarterback that we've seen play. Or at least that's the best season. The, the, no, season that's what I'm saying. But like even last year, you saw this. Yeah. You saw glimpses of this. He was more emotional, a little more loose with it. I saw him definitely if they kept him in the whole season. Because I know he was the first pick. Not the first pick of the entire draft, but he was the Stallions' first pick. And he threw the, the opening. Well, not the opening because it was Lewis Perez to Randy Satterfield. Mm-hmm. But he responded yeah, he to did. Osiris it Mitchell. Bomb. It, it was, was a bomb. bomb. One-handed, was a, right? Oh, oh, yeah, I believe. right in the yeah. end zone, too. Mm-hmm. Opening game, that, that was a beautiful game, bro. But, but uh, you know, it's just you see him do stuff like that, and it's like, what? And, and he threw 20 touchdowns this year. He had five rushing touchdowns. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is a guy, that, and he only turned the ball over four times. Mm-hmm. He only had four interceptions. I think he had, may have had that fumble, that credited fumble, that little failed pitch to Mar- Marable, but I, I mean, bro, like compared to what you were seeing out of Kenji Bahar, you know where he was—he threw fucking like nine touchdowns and eleven picks. Like mm-hmm. this is what you wanted to see this year, and this is a name that the USFL. If he doesn't move to the NFL, I, yeah. bro, I'm signing this guy. Mm-hmm. I, he is one of the. You want a quarterback? If you're like the fucking what do you do? Panthers you know, or some shit, bro. If if, if you're the, the Stallions, Falcons. No, if no, well, like if anything. Sign him. If I'm looking at a team that could maybe use a quarterback, like a depth quarterback, that just if all fails and you're you know you're fucked, I'm looking at the Falcons maybe, yeah. maybe because I have hope in Desmond Ritter. I actually like him. He did not play bad last year, despite what anyone says. Look at his numbers, San Fran. Look at his numbers, San Fran. You'd probably fucking win MVP um, because it's just Shanahan. But I'm really looking at either the Commanders or or if like Kirk Cousins. I'm just saying. You know, if if it looks like a poverty Raiders. year for the Vikings, Raiders. And, you know, I, and the Raiders, I don't, I don't wish that upon my worst Jimmy, enemy. But Jimmy Garoppolo can. But it's just Josh involved. McDaniels. Like I don't, yeah. I, I don't care. No, I don't, I don't want him to go there. No, I don't. You know, like but, that's uh, just not. You know, look, we're kind of veering off here. But, yeah. Talking about Alex Magoo, just talking about where he could go. It's just Alex fucking Magoo. Oh. Uh, something, something real quick. I did want to, you know, bring in, and this is why the Stallions are probably the best club. Mm-hmm. In the USFL, they've been consistently doing this, um, and, and this is before a playoff game. Crucial signing, it looks like they just grabbed an offensive tackle, Ryan Pope, out of San Diego State, um, and he was moved immediately to the inactive roster. I imagine we'll see his activation uh, when it comes down to the roster uh, release. Um, going into the all USFL lists. Caden, did you want to go ahead and read off the special teams all USFL list here? Oh, yeah, so uh, punt returner Isaiah Henny. I mean, anything is wh- possible. What is that? Is just so obvious. That's an obvious pick. You got to go with it's, Isaiah Henny. It's rough, at least in my opinion. I, I think you got to go with. I think Isaiah so. Henny. He had a couple punt returns. I, Derek Dillon, I know, might have had a great a great year as well. But he's uh, also, you know, going into the next one, yeah. Josh Simmons for kick returner. Shout out to both of those guys on the Pittsburgh Maulers, Isaiah Henney and Josh Simmons. They had a great special teams unit. And then uh, punter was uh, Kobe Kobe Wadman for the uh, Birmingham Stallions. Apparently been one of the better punters in spring leagues. I've, seen him, I've seen him pin some, pin some balls in, inside the 10, which yeah, is I, just, he, he, that's a pro-level punt. 
I mean, there's no, there's no, legitimately no difference from an NFL punt to a USFL punt. No. There's le- legit no, no difference. The the special teams regarding the specialists, like you just said, there's, like, if you're a good kicker, you, you're a good kicker. Exactly. If you're a good punter, yeah, you're a good yeah. punter. And shout out to Colby Wadman, shout out. But a, a guy that, you know, I wish uh, got some praise was Brock Miller mm. uh, on the Generals. Mm. He, he was pinning balls inside the fives. This guy, he was the best punter last year and this this past year. So I, I wish that maybe he got a little praise there, but I, you know, shout out to Colby, Colby my Wadman. My boy, my boy, Louis Aguilar, the savior of the stars. The, uh, the the knight in shining armor for the stars, which is actually pretty t- pretty crazy to talk about considering he's a kicker. Pretty sad. Yeah, pretty um, sad. But he, fun fact about Louis Aguilar, all-USFL kicker. Ties uh, the record for most uh, field goals in was, a pro game. Ever. He was second in points by a player this year. He's a beast. He had 98 beast. points. But to his name, he's, to his name. Anyway, talking about guys that get called up, he actually might be the the one with the most reason to get called up he, out of anybody. I mean, that one game against the Panthers, bro, where he legitimately went nine for yeah, nine. That was insane. That was it won us the game. He scored every single point. That that's a one of one performance by a kicker in this league. Mm. Shout out to Luis Aguilar. You are a fucking dog. That might be a one of one. And, and, and after they literally won the game, when he, he got the game winner, it was like a 54-yarder. Mm-hmm. Everyone on the sideline came rushing in, and you know what? His first words were, I love you, brothers. And he, like they were all just lifting mm-hmm. it. Like that, 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 that was a moment for Luis Aguilar. And, and I hope an NFL scout for a special teams unit you know, took a look at that and was like, you know what? This is a guy. Mm-hmm. This is a guy that's clutch, that yeah. could come in, and won't Santos it for the Bears type shit. Huh. You know? <laughs> He'll win a playoff game for you. It's Luis Aguilar. But uh, long, moving on to Long Slapper here. Uh, Ryan was at Langan from yeah. the uh, Birmingham Stallions. I don't really know much about that. They're just a fucking Long Slapper. I'm not going to lie. No, oh, disrespect, I mean, no disrespect, man, though. You, you, are, you have to be very good. Um, yeah. To be noticed like this for a long snapper, you know, a nod like this, and long snappers are always needed in any level of football. Yeah. Um, shout out to Ryan Langan. Um, but one thing, I, one thing I will say real quick, mm-hmm. I that's a good nod to them because that's one thing I noticed about their special teams unit. They mm-hmm. really never had a mistake this year. The professional stallion. It's a very professionally run and sa- full sound, full sound. But a guy that, you know, shout out to Fighting Words Radio Network that we're going to be talking to. This upcoming Wednesday. So, Caden, if you want to go ahead and shout out a very special individual oh, yeah. to the family. Vinny Papali. He won Gunner for the, uh, the All-USFL Special Teams. And, uh, you know, looking at the Gunner position, it's a very, like, you, it's very un- underappreciated position if you really It's really needed. It. it is very needed. You need a guy who can, who's fast, get down, the, get down there quickly, who's also a guy who can tackle as well. You don't want him whiffing the first one because usually first one there is that's the most important role. You have to either slow the kick returner down, or, or punt returner, or you have to you know tackle him, and that can save you. At least in this league, you see so many punt return touchdowns, so many kick return touchdowns, very very vital. And one thing I would like to shout out about Vinny Papali was his just effort. Mm-hmm. You know, even if it wasn't on punt returns or kick returns, he was a great receiver for the Memphis Showboats this past season. Yeah, I mean he was always he never misses his assignments. Never did I once say, yo, Vinny just sold that. Yeah, he needs he, to, you know, work on catching the ball a little bit better. I mean, he was their leading receiver. He gets a shit ton of drops. I, I, I didn't see too many drops out of him this year. That was the only thing I recognized when I watched him. Play. One thing that I will say um, that 
should be credited here was that he was a gunner for Derek Dillon. Mm. And Derek Dillon had plenty of kick return and punt return touchdowns. He was an all-purpose guy. Yeah. And, and Vinny, you know, you have to have good blockers up there. And, and honestly, uh, for, for kickoffs, you know, mm. and they didn't lose too many games via special teams. And uh, Vinny, Vinny Papali is a, is a reason why. So I just sh- shout out to him and shout out to his father, uh, Vincent Papali. Very, very nice to my grandfather uh, for coming on the show, his, his radio show on Wednesdays and Saturdays. If you guys want to check that out, it's on blogtalk.com. But that was the All-USFL Special Teams Unit, so that was pretty awesome for those guys. Shout-out to everyone um, that, that made that list. Moving on to the offensive All-USFL all squad, we have... Uh, we'll go back and forth here. Mm-hmm. We definitely talked about Alex Magoo at length oh, throughout yeah. the season. Makes sense that he's the quarterback on this. And again, this is a very exclusive list, I feel like, because there's not a second team. Yeah. There's no alternates. Mm-hmm. There's no game for it. This is mm-hmm. who is the best at the position exactly. in my starting 11. And so only the best of the best will get taken here. There were some snubs, but at the same time, I feel like everyone that was on this honestly deserved it. I feel like no matter what, there's going to be snubs. Yes. And uh, no matter, you know, it could be a list about legitimately anything. Some Someone or something going to get snubbed. Yes. So. But... QB Alex Magoo for the Birmingham Stallions made the All-USFL offensive squad as the quarterback, obviously. Mm. And then the second player here. I guess uh, we can probably just do both of the, the running backs. Uh, so we have Mark Thompson from the, from the Houston Gamblers and West Hills from the New Orleans Breakers. Mark Thompson, always that you know hard nose, you know put put his head down, run through that gap, get those yards type runner. He has very he, determined. He plays with a different speed, he and does. I think he'll get a chance this offseason. Just like Alex Magoo in, in that sense, you know he he plays like a step ahead at the position than anybody else in the league. I agree. And then you also mentioned West Hills, mm-hmm. who is the leading rusher this year. Also runs angry. Uh, play for the first five or six weeks, he was playing at Mark Thompson yeah, level. I, I must say that he was a lot better in those first couple weeks and then the, I, I feel like there was a, a drop off in play after those first couple weeks but because everyone got like, tape yeah, yeah everyone got tape and I do feel like uh, most of those yards came from that one 200 yard 200 plus yard game and uh, you know more, more more credit to him I'm not trying to take anything away no, from him no. but uh, and yeah, he man. was a good pass catcher he was, you know, he out was. of the back and reliable running back out of the CFL played against McLeod Bethel Thompson as quarterback on the breakers but they're in the playoffs this year. They have a shot. Um, the Breakers are a sound club. You know, two, six, and four seasons back to back. I like that. But uh, moving on to the wide receiver core. Um, the two wide receivers taken for the All Yosevel offensive unit here was wide receiver Corey Coleman for the Philadelphia Stars. Shout out to him. He had a fucking great year. And then wide receiver Justin Hall for the Houston Gamblers. A guy that I fucking love. Glad he got a nod. Uh, but sadly, I, you know, there, there's a couple guys. You know, I, I, I maybe would have put ahead of him. Yeah. Um, but he was a all-out playmaker for the Houston Gamblers offense. Very shifty, very mm-hmm. versatile, really strong runner for a guy that's only 5'8". Mm-hmm. And then you have Corey Coleman, who was the leading receiving yards leader uh, in the USFL this year. Had a couple drops, but he was very smart with his body. You know, yeah. very very smart, high IQ wide receiver. Found opening in zones. Really worked well with Case Cookies towards the end of the season. Their defense just couldn't get stops for him to keep yeah. him in games. But definitely a guy that I'd like to see on a practice squad this offseason. There's not much you can really, you know, say to, to knock Corey Coleman's game this year. And uh, the only really hiccup he had this year was, again, the catching. But I feel like that was with a lot of the wide receivers. And uh, the only issue I have with this offense is that 
Justin Hall, Justin uh, Justin Hall. That's what it is. Justin Hall was the was the other wide receiver picked. I do feel like it should have either been Jay Adams, Jonathan Dixon, or Joe well, Walker. Sh- Johnny Dixon. Johnny Dixon. Um, but Joe Walker should have been up there as well. I, the only reason I think Justin Hall is 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 there was because he was more of a all around playmaker. He, he never had any fumbles, mm-hmm. and he never like bro. I never saw him drop. Like, he, he was a very sure... Dude, he would jump up and make these crazy catches. There would be so much shit that he'd be doing, but I, I don't want to knock... Joe was doing the same shit, Yeah, though. Joe Walker was out there balling. I mean, those all those guys are ballers, bro. Mm-hmm. And it's just so hard to, you know, fit all those guys on this one at yeah. all 11, you know, kind of list here. But, you know, I wish they did do a second team to mm-hmm. give these other guys some praise, but yeah. this also shows the exclusivity of, you know, making this list. And only two guys have made it consecutively, and we'll get into that here in a second. But did you want to talk about the tight end position? Oh, yeah. Jay Sternberger from the Birmingham Stallions had an absolutely phenomenal year. And he's kind of fits that market of, of tight ends right now for the USFL. You see, you know, what are the most, you know, look at all the successful tight ends in the USFL. Like uh, Cheyenne O'Grady last year, uh, Pro Wells. Mm. Now you have Jay Sternberger. It's they all fit the same type build in the same play style. Yeah, they're versatile, you know, fast. Not the thickest, not the best in blocking, but more vertical threat tight ends. Yes, and a lot more receiving based tight ends. And I think that also was a big bump for for uh, Alex Magoo and Jay Sternberger played a big big role in mm. what Alex Magoo did this year. And without him, I think the 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 passing attack for the uh, for the Stallions would have just been, I wouldn't say worse, but definitely not the same, not well, as efficient. I mean, he added seven receiving touchdowns to the offense. He had a great season. Had a couple big drops. Mm-hmm. Not gonna lie, um, but that that's kind of why he you know was let go from the Packers. Um, I would like to see him get another shot. You know, I feel like if he gets a practice squad year in him. Uh, you could actually see him elevate his game and potentially be, you know, backup tight end in this league because mm-hmm. there's not many good tight ends. So there's always a rotation of guys uh, at that position. So shout out to Jay Sternberger for having a really good season in the USFL on paper, and he was an impact player for that offense. Just got to sure up those hands, and I think he'll be a good player in the yeah. NFL one day. Bro. Yeah. He's still young. He still has upside, and uh, he's, you know, playing for a good mm-hmm. team in this league, so I, I don't see why he couldn't play for a... Yeah. T- uh, you know, even any kind of team in the NFL doesn't even have to be a poverty franchise. Mm-hmm. I feel like you know, if any and, smart scout, yeah, anybody can really take a tight end. It's not, it's not really a, uh, it's not a, it's a not a luxury yeah. position. It's it's not that big of a need either for any tight end for any team. Like, it's no team's first, second, or third priority should mm-hmm. ever be a tight end. Okay, you should maybe want a tight end. Yeah, but you should never need a tight end. And that's why you see a lot of guys move around a lot, like Robert Tanyan and, exactly. and uh, Tyler Conklin and Uzama. Like those guys are going to move around because you know what? Not, no one's going to really pay a tight end unless you're exactly. Gronk or Kelsey, What's your you big know, ass or game Andrews. Changer? You know, yeah, you're Kittle. Unless, yeah, Kittle. Unless you're like a legitimate, you know, X factor mm-hmm. type shit. And Jay Sperger was Jay Sternberger was that for the Stallions mm-hmm. this year. You got to prepare for him. He just needs to sure up his hands because he mm-hmm. has the build, he has the speed. He just needs to again, you know, make sure he doesn't blow those chances. Yeah. But uh, moving into the offensive line, and I'll go over these guys briefly, Caden, just because I kind of I've seen these guys play a little yeah. bit. Um, but center uh, for the New Jersey Generals, Jake Lucina, really good for them. 
Um, no mistakes on his end. Uh, they they block for the best rush attack in the USFL two years in a row. Uh, really good year for him, as well as Calvin Ashley, the guard for the New Jersey Generals, uh, also made it. So two offensive linemen from their squad made it. And then moving on to uh, Paul Adams, guard for the uh, New Orleans Breakers. Uh, shout out to him. He had a pretty good year. They He blocked for the leading rusher. So just solid, stout blocking, yeah. not many missed assignments. And, you know, if you're a, noticed to be a good guard on this league, you might you, most likely all of these guys are probably going to go to a practice squad because yeah. of how rare big men are that are willing to move at those speeds and take yeah. those kind of punishments. And then uh, Avery Genesee, hey, tackle. He was actually like, I don't really, I didn't really notice any of the other uh, uh, O-line on this list. I didn't really notice any of the last names. Genesee's good. Genesee, I do remember him making some clutch some clutch blocks, and I, I do remember him being just very very mobile, kind of like a uh, Penny Sewell type fast. And he's big, for, and you know mm-hmm. he played a, played a good year at tackle for the Houston Gamblers yeah. and did help Mark Thompson get those 15 rushing touchdowns yeah. in seven games. you got to give the O-line credit where it's due. And this, this next tackle spot here uh, for the Memphis Showboats, Jerron Jones. This is a guy that's really special, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Second year in a row where he's made all USFL, I think he deserves a chance on a uh, on a practice squad. Big, fast, mm. and a really good like I've noticed this like a good first push, like he has that he has those quick movements up front, and I, I rarely saw him get destroyed in that right tackle position. Mm. And you, the good thing about the O line is. If these guys are good tackles in this league, that means they might be like you know good rotational guards on a practice squad or maybe even a poverty club in the NFL. Mm-hmm. You can move these guys and play guard. Yeah, you know, like they'll they'll do it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like they're gonna do it. I mean, mm-hmm. shout out to I think like almost 12 O linemen were taken out of the USFL last year by the NFL. So we'll see if these guys all get taken, which I believe they will. But that was the all USFL offensive unit. Um, and shout out to every one of those guys for, for making the All-USFL. And I feel like this next list we're going to name off, this is where you're going to start seeing some more of the more familiar faces as we go along. I feel like it's a lot more, you know, especially for some of the players in this league, I feel like they're going to be a lot more consistent on defense than it is on offense. There's always going to be some new names on, on offense, but defense is really where household names are, are cemented. Yes, and I guess I'll just go through the defensive end position here. Uh, the two All USFL defensive ends that were that were picked were defensive end Breland Speaks for the Michigan Panthers, who had nine sacks, uh, leading sack a holder, and he just he he was a dog this year. Very aggressive, constant playmaker. Um, I, I I could see him being a depth guy on a squad, mm-hmm. legitimately like on an actual starting roster. He still has that movement to him. Yeah. He needs to lose a little weight, I think, but. His power moves, his actual technique, it's all still there. He was wreaking havoc with tackles for loss and sacks. And I think, you know, he could be, you know, not what he once was, um, but I think he could be something mm-hmm. in, the, in the NFL. But uh, the other defensive end I was taking that was definitely a little bit of a shocker to me because Keontae Shad definitely deserved it over Adam Rodriguez. No offense, Adam, but uh, Keontae had seven and a half sacks. You were tied for third. Mm-hmm. Keontae was a two. Yeah, I I just don't see that. But Adam Rodriguez was a playmaker for the Philadelphia Stars defense. He did get tackles for loss and did create a lot of quarterback pressure. Um, I I just um, 
don't see how any Philadelphia Stars defensive player could have made it this year. Channing Stribling was battling with an injury. He was out for two weeks towards the end of the year. Yeah. Um, and he, you know, I, he should have made it if he played the full season because he was locked down over there as well. But um, I, I, I just don't see how a, a front four member of the Stars made it. They, yeah. they weren't very productive this yeah. season. But if you wanted to take over the defensive mm-hmm. tackle positions, and don't forget to shout out Toby Johnson's. Oh, yeah. Second USFL all USFL appearance in a row. So you know, like we're seeing, you know, we're seeing a lot more of these you know familiar faces. You have we'll get into Frank Inda and and uh, some of the other ones later. But uh, this D tackle spot, uh, you know, you've already seen a lot of Toby Johnson, and I think uh, another name, John Atkins uh, Senior. He he won the other defensive tackle uh, spot. And I think we're gonna see a lot more of him la- uh, next season as well. I forget who they were playing. I-, I believe it was either the Breakers or the Stallions, but. That game that he was in, he was like, he was an absolute X factor. Like, no matter what, the entire defensive line, the entire defense was huddled around this one D tackle. And I didn't know his name at the time. And uh, I'm now seeing it again now. And uh, he had he had a ball. At least that game he had a ball. And it, and it seems like if he's keeping up that, that momentum throughout the entire season, you know, it's just... And their defensive line was there's literally no no bad parts about it nothing, no. nothing to knock about it no but uh, the generals their defense as a whole was just very well rounded last year and you know, Toby Johnson had a lot to do with that at least on the D line three hundred and thirty uh, pounds bro that's and he moves like he moves very fast too he doesn't he does not move like it but uh, moving into the cornerback position Trevor moving to the cornerback position we have. For the Pittsburgh Maulers, Mark Gilbert, interception leader, had a great season. Um, locked down, you know, I think he's like 6'1", 6'2". Uh, could be a depth guy on a roster in the NFL. And, I, you know, I think, I, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he was a former Patriot. But um, I would like to see him get another shot. But also moving forward to the other cornerback taken, uh, DJ Daniel for the New Jersey Generals had a great season. He is a dog. But he did have help from Paris Ford on that defense. Another guy that probably should have gotten on here as well. But um, you, you know, this, the 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 thing about the Generals is their offense just was terrible this yeah, year. It was. Their defense attempted to keep them in games. It just wasn't wasn't happening for them. They weren't yeah. able to win that final game to get into the playoffs because I don't know what happened to their play calling. They go from scoring thirty seven points one week to scoring six the next. So. Yeah. Shout out to DJ Daniel. Uh, he was locked down, and he had some good plays. I think he had two or three interceptions, if I'm not mistaken. So a guy that you know you might want to look out for in the off season, maybe getting maybe getting a little shot, a little tryout or something. So shout out to both those guys, Mark Gilbert and DJ Daniel. But uh, moving into the safeties, and one guy who I thought got really snubbed for this, and uh, you know I like Manny Bunch, and I, I like what he was able to provide for that Gamblers defense. But I do think my boy Luwani should have gotten in over him just because of the hits that he was able to bring mm-hmm. and just his ball hawk mentality as a whole. You saw him on lock. Like his side of the field, that entire that entire backfield, people were running away from him. Yeah. Like fourth quarter, you don't want to get hit by this guy anymore. You're getting hit by him first quarter, second quarter, third quarter. Fourth quarter, this guy is feeling like a fucking Mack truck. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean- and... Uh, but the other safety, definitely uh, Arnold Tarpley. Uh, Arnold Tarpley, who's that? The third? Yeah. Oh, my. 
And uh, he, he definitely, he's every, honestly, you can make an argument for every person on that Maulers defense. Yeah, honestly, if it was just all Pittsburgh Maulers, I wouldn't be sh- yeah. shocked. Mm-hmm. But a guy that I also did want to shout out on, on the on the pod here was Levante Taylor. Mm-hmm. Um, no touchdowns allowed on him this year, cornerback for the Michigan Panthers. He'll be playing this weekend against my Maulers. But uh, I just wanted to shout him out. He deserves some recognition. He was fucking great for the Panthers this year. Um, uh, if you don't know him, if you don't recognize his game, go YouTube him or go on Twitter. Uh, really, really just a good personality, but an even better player in my opinion. But moving to the linebackers, probably my favorite position in this league just because of how fucking crucial they are. Yeah. Um, and most of these guys are captains. And this is a household name coming up right here. Well, all three of these guys are fucking household names, and they're all top five in tackles. We have a guy that's legit tied for second in picks coming up here. Linebacker for the Michigan Panthers, Frank uh, Frank Ginda. No, Frank Ginda. Uh, just a dog. 104 tackles in 10 games, three picks. Uh, just, a, just a dog. Just a, yeah. that's all I can say about Frank Ginda, bro. He's gonna you're gonna notice him. He's gonna pop off the screen. You might um, even Saturday. get you might even get first team next year as well if he's still in the league. Yeah, and he might even get defensive player of the year this year. Yeah. But moving forward to the next linebacker because three were taken. Uh Keava Tazino, also I think second in tackles, who's just a dog. He he played next to Ruben Foster this year and his play elevated to a different level from last year. He was still really good for the Maulers in season one, but this year was different. He, yeah. he he was taking helm, mm-hmm. and and you saw that he on the field. He played for last year. Yeah. Oh. And yeah. he's just been a consistent piece for their defense, um, and, and I I really enjoy his game. Him and Frank Ginda are very equivalent in my opinion. And then this next guy is definitely not far off from that number one position in that linebacker spot, mm-hmm. and that's why he got the nod as well. Linebacker Chris Orr for the New Jersey Generals. This guy is all over the field, making good plays, never missing his assignments, making good tackles for loss, hitting the run gaps, throwing his body on the line. Uh, I think he missed a game, but he's still third in tackles by a fucking margin. Um, and, and just one of those guys that I, I really love. Yeah. I really love watching him play, and he really plays that Mike linebacker well. And these three linebackers are probably, in my personal opinion, top ten players in the, in the league. Mm. Like, just these three linebackers alone. You could make the argument they're fucking top five, in my personal opinion. Like they, they are fucking good. Frank Ginda has nearly two hundred tackles in two seasons, yeah. in twenty games. That's crazy. In twenty games, bro. I think he has two hundred two tackles in twenty games. That's like what? Yeah. <laughs> what? But shout out to everyone on this all USFL defensive unit list. Um, did did great this season. And you love to see it. USFL Week 10 TV ratings. Didn't expect much of the USA game, the New Jersey versus Pittsburgh game, averaging 240,000 viewers. But the Memphis and Birmingham game actually stepped it up on Fox, 636,000 on average. Houston versus New Orleans on FS1. Didn't expect much either, 167,000 viewers. It is ugly, but it's also the last week of the season. Didn't expect much this, this week. I expected to pick up this weekend uh, for playoff week. But uh, Michigan versus Philly on Fox did well, 710,000 on viewership, and uh, the streaming numbers on like the platforms online and stuff are not recorded. So just decent numbers for the, the major cable networks, but uh, they need to get off FS1 and USA, in my personal opinion. Um, just a quick overview of the all-USFL players by teams, just the amounts picked by each squad. 
The Generals had five, the Breakers had two, the Maulers had five, the Stars had three, the Stallions had four, the Gamblers had four, the Showboats had three, and the Panthers had two. So just something to think about that the Maulers and Generals both had five players taken from each of their teams on the all-USFL lists. And I can't believe the Breakers only had two. Yeah, they got snubbed, bro, especially on defense. Vontae Diggs, I mean, so many great players. Um, but again, shout-out to Toby Johnson and Jerron Jones for the, being the only two players in the USFL to be named to the all-USFL list in back-to-back seasons. Uh, they, they deserve some, some kind of praise for that. Um, and then, sadly, the Stallions uh, earlier this week transferred wide receiver Myron Mitchell to the injury reserve list. Oh, my. So that's a big L, in yeah. my opinion. He's kind of a, a that, that speed guy that you want to kind of look out for, but uh, they, they should have depth, and I trust Magoo. But again, moving forward here, we have some other announcements that I you know I kind of want to take a minute on. Um, assistant Coach of the Year, Jaron Horton, defensive coordinator for the Pittsburgh Maulers. He has been their DC for two seasons now. Mm. Probably led the best defense in this league. Definitely got his dad the job before this season, um, and I hope they you know build something here. I really do. I, re- I really do because he is a great play caller on defense only allowing like 19.1 points per game this past year. I mean, he's letting, he's leading something there. And I, I just want to give him praise because he's also a fun personality um, and an active guy on you know Twitter. He's a, he's a good face for the league, in this, my opinion. This next one is a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer for Coach of the Year here. Uh, Skip Holtz, head coach of the Birmingham Stallions, 19-3 and in two yeah. seasons. I mean, that speaks wonders. Exactly. And we'll see what he does in the division championship this upcoming weekend. But uh, we'll get into our predictions towards the end of the episode. And if they do win this, uh, th- this, this championship coming up, I don't know who the coach was for the Stars back in the 80s and 70s. And if it was the same one for all those years when they made you know, all this, the championships, and maybe it's still he's the best coach in, in USFL history. But if he wins, that, that if he wins it all again, exactly, he's the, he's, he's, he's the best. In I my agree. Opinion, he is the best that. USFL head coach. And dude, if he runs it back for season three, then he's undisputed. I, uh, undisputedly the best. And he'll probably move out of USFL and hopefully get some eyes from uh, from some top college schools and possibly some pro pro. Uh, well, well, I mean, I was even looking on Twitter earlier, and I, you know, people were talking, and they were saying, you know. Look out for you know kind of a poverty you know division two or division one squad mm. that fires their head coach after week three. Look out for Skip Holtz. He mm. might get hired. You know yeah. he might go back to UAB. He might you know he might go to some Texas school. I think that he's getting paid more than he'd get paid wherever he go in college. Um, no, I'm not saying you know if he goes to Alabama. You know I'm not saying he's gonna get paid yeah. more than that. But he's not. He's yeah. not going to go to Alabama. He's not going to go to Auburn. I don't want to. I'm not shitting on the guy, mm-hmm. but it's that they're just not going to give that guy a chance like that. But I think in the USFL, no matter what offer he gets from college, I think he's going to be getting paid more because he's legitimately the face, one of the like four faces of this league. Like I, I think he's probably under contract and probably is getting paid a couple mil. Mm-hmm. I'm not even going to lie to you. Like I think he's probably getting paid like two point five, maybe three million. Mm-hmm. Like, like I think he's getting paid a good amount. But um, some more roster updates real quick here for the Maulers. Um, transferred player to the active roster, cornerback Sedavian Gray, um, and then they moved tight end Artavius Lynn 
to the inactive roster, which he had a really massive drop this past weekend. So I, I can uh, I can understand it. Mm. Um, moving forward to the Panthers, Michigan Panthers updates on the roster here. Transferred to active players uh, to the active roster. Safety Corey and Ballard, great to see that back. He's a really good safety, hard hitter. You'd like him. Pay attention, mm-hmm. number seven. And wide receiver DJ Montgomery. Uh, Going to be interesting to see how those impact that. But uh, they also moved two guys to the inactive roster, tight end Josh Bab- Babkits and defensive lineman Ethan Westbrook. That's, so a, which, big, that's, a, that's a big loss. Ethan Westbrooks, that is a big loss for that defensive line. Um, and looks like Boogie Roberts is probable. Keith Gibson is full go. Cornerback, def- defensive end this year, player is full go. And Matt Mengel, their punter, is probable for the Maulers. Wait, doesn't Matt Mengel play for the Stars? No, no. Who's the Who's the dude with like really tiny shoulder pads? In the Stars. Oh gosh, I could have sworn that was his name, bro. No, it's not Matt Mengel. Matt Mengel's the tatted guy. Oh. Um, but the Michigan Panthers game status report: linebacker Patty Fisher is a full go. Tight end Marcus Baugh is a full go. Safety Corey and Ballard full go. Punter Kyle Kramer is a full go. Uh, the def- the depth charts for the Panthers versus Maulers game was released. It looks like the Panthers are going to be sticking with EJ Perry and Brian Lewerke at QB two. Um, and, and again, if EJ you know kind of shits the bed quarter mm-hmm. one, quarter two, I'm Mike Nolan. You know, if I'm still down by a winnable game, throw Lewerke in. Yeah, you know, I mean, this, they were down. They were down in that 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 Stars game. Twenty to twenty to three. So, but still though, you know, I I just. In the, in the playoffs, you can't get buried. Um, the Sportsmen of the Year were nominated. Um, defensive lineman Ethan Westbrooks, wide receiver Ryan McDaniel, wide receiver Davion Davis, defensive lineman Boogie Roberts, running back Anthony Jones, tackle Brandon Hittner, linebacker Dejon Hines, and quarterback Vad Lee. Those are the nominees. Uh, those are these guys that are doing a lot of community work, uh, leaders off the field, in practice, on the field, on the sideline, these are these guys that you want on your team, and this is a big award for the USFL. Matt Colburn won it last year, um, and uh, that, that, that's it's a, it's a good award to have. Yeah, I, th- I think that'll get you a little praise if from a, from a you know a front office of yeah. an NFL team. If you want some comparison, it's kind of like the uh, what is it the uh, what's the award they, they they hand out in the NFL for like good doing. Um, Walter Payton, Walter Payton Man of the Year. Walter yeah, Payton. that's kind of what it, it is. Yeah, if you're doing a lot of you know community yeah. work, you know, Vad Lee does a lot of uh, charity work as well as like going to schools and stuff, talking to kids and being a good influence. So that that's stuff you want to see out of your leaders. Um, and Vad Lee didn't see the field once this year, but you know that doesn't deter him from being a leader. Exactly. You know, and that's what that award means and is about. Um, but let's go into our predictions for these upcoming divisional championship playoff games. Um, this Saturday at 8 p.m., we have the Northern Divisional Championship game. We have the Michigan Panthers facing off against the Pittsburgh Maulers and their first playoff appearance in USFL history. Yeah. I am incredibly excited to see the Maulers in a playoff game. Yeah. And hopefully, because they're literally the fucking... They're, they're the Lions of the league, bro. Yeah. Definitely. Like, that's why I like them, I think. Because, like, they're, they're terrible on one side of the ball, but really good on the other. And they just need to pull it together. And I think that they're dangerous if they make the championship game. But I'm going to go ahead, and I think I talked about this in the USFL Power Rankings episode, the last one of the season, and um, 
of probably the year until the U.S. fell season three. But uh, I think I'm going to take the Maulers, obviously, here in a tight game, yeah. 28 to 14, uh, maybe 28 to 17. Um, it's going to be a tight game, though. I, I really do think it's going to come down to a turnover or two. But what about yourself? I'm gonna have to agree with you there, and I'm gonna go with the uh, Michigan. I mean the uh, Pittsburgh Maulers, and uh, I do think it'll be a very close game, but I I don't think it'll be very high scoring. So I'm gonna go with uh, 21 to 10. Mm. I I don't see EJ Perry doing much, just because of that. You know, defense is just stellar. Yeah. And he didn't do much against a a very lackluster Stars defense, so I, I don't see him get going too far against the Michigan. I really that mean it. It's but if he rides that momentum, could. He it's, could. He they're really scary could. too. Because yeah. he was on a roll, you know, ever since that last half, you know. Last yeah. half of football he played, he scored, what, like 20 points? There was like 24-20, bro. Yeah. I mean, it, it was it was a crucial loss to the Stars yeah. franchise, bro. Yeah. Like, they're, I'm not going to forget that game because of how electric the crowd was when Literally, I mean, we talked about it. we've been talking about this for days now. When yeah. EJ Perry legit botched the snap, mm. it's the ball's on the ground. Yeah, they're on the two. Like it's it's you gotta stop him. Mm. He picks it up and runs around that edge. He gets the touchdown. I the crowd at Ford Field was fucking fuming. They were electric. I that was the loudest crowd this year. That was deep. That was the the one time they ever won it. <laughs> since 1985. That's crazy. And they were electric, and it, it. I just hope that they don't ride that into into Canton here. And the cool thing about Canton is the club seats were sold out, so nice. we might see some nice. Pittsburgh Steelers fans show up there, like we have been during their home games during the season. I see some little some little crowds of Pittsburgh fans there, man. Where I saw some. Ste- I saw some tail, uh, some terrible towels being being waved. Yeah, yeah. So no, uh, you, you love to see it. I mean, you do. You love to see that support for for your for your squad there and your club, mm-hmm. but. Um, Moving forward to the the Southern Divisional Championship game this upcoming Sunday, um, it's going to be between the Birmingham Stallions and the New Orleans Breakers, a rematch from last year's uh, Southern Derby, and this is really becoming a rivalry. Yeah, I mean this is actually one of the sure-handed rivalries. The Breakers actually were able to win one on the on the Stallions this past year, mm-hmm. but they only have one win on them in two years, bro. They got swept right. three wow. times last year. Mm-hmm. I just I don't see them winning. Yeah, I I, mean, I hate to say that because I love Wes Hills. I love Johnny Dixon. I love Jonathan Adams. McCloyd. And I like McLeod's McCloyd's game here this past year. But I think the Stallions are going to take this thirty-one to twenty-four, okay. and they're going to win handedly yeah. towards the end of the game. I'm going to say I'm I'm also agree with you here again, but uh, I do see it being very handily. And Alex Mugu is going to show why he he's going to win uh, MVP. Are they going to be announced before the game or after? I think so. I'm actually thinking they're going to be announced today. Okay, so with maybe, sportsmen. You know, maybe we uh, release this episode a little bit too early, but uh, well, no, we'll talk. Matter. We'll talk about it. Yeah, we'll talk you know, about post it. post uh, post playoff yeah. championship games. But uh, yeah, it's just going to be the same thing we've been seeing all season. You know, domination from Alex Mugu. So uh, I'm going to go. High scoring game here. Um, hmm. Thirty one to fourteen. Mm. I, I, uh, it just West Hills is gonna get it going. Jay Adams and Jonathan Dixon are gonna do all they can. But if McCloyd has eighty eight fucking passing yards, they're not gonna win. You know, it's not gonna. They're not gonna get past the Stallions with eighty eight passing. No, yards. it's not the same. Who, who, who do they beat? 
What they eat passing out? The show, the showboats. It's not the showboats. No. You know, this is the, this is the, this is the stallions. It's a whole different you need to, level of play. You need to match exactly. Magoo. Mm-hmm. You gotta keep pace with Magoo. If he drops two fifty, two hundred fifty yards, you need to drop two hundred fifty yards. Bro, if he drops two fifty, you need to drop three hundred. Exactly. You, you need to win handedly, mm-hmm. and, and I don't see the Breakers doing that. I want yeah. I want them to maybe surprise me, but mm-hmm. I I just see Skip Holtz leading this team back to back. Yeah. And potentially getting the second ring. So, what what are your thoughts on, uh, I, I guess, not only Skip Holtz and the Stallions being that full sound to be in this position again, but do you have a do you have a thing to where like no matter who wins the the, the Northern playoff game, are you scared if you're a Stallions fan? Uh no, okay no, I would be worried if it's the if it's the Mowers. Just because of that defense, you don't really know what you're going to get. Yeah. And uh, especially with that offense, the offense can either back up the defense and complement it very well, or the offense can sputter and do absolutely nothing. Exactly. So uh, we're going to see. It's a. Uh, it's it's going to be a game of chance for mm. for, for the uh, for the Mowers. Okay. And uh, a game of just. Uh, you know who's really going to show up? You know what I mean? Because they need their offense to score more than ten exactly. points. Mm-hmm. You know. They and need uh, they, they have Williams. on on paper the worst offense. Yeah, definitely, like, definitely. They have playmakers: Trey Walker, Bailey Gaither, Isaiah Henney. Like, get those guys involved. Get the short pass. Special involved. teams will definitely be a big part and in a, both games. And a guy that no one, I guarantee you, has said, but Garrett Groshek. Yeah, I want to shout him out for a second. He's been with them for two seasons now. He falls forward for four yards every time. Mm-hmm. Good running back. He has good vision. Quick feet for a big, big ass guy. white guy. Big white dude, bro. Yeah. You know, shout out to him. Shout out to Garrett Groshek. Garrett Groshek. Shout out and to Isaiah Henney. Isaiah and Madre London. Shout out to that whole team, bro. Mm-hmm. I love the Maulers, bro. Shout out to but, Boogie Roberts. Oh, yeah. Crazy, bro. Fucking Troy Williams got to uh, march them into that. Into he needs that to have bro. a historic Pittsburgh yeah, he Maulers performance. Bro. He wants to be the future of this organization. He has to prove it. He does. He does have to prove it here. Exactly. You know, and, and it has to be against a a, a pretty decent defense. Mm-hmm. I'm scared of Genda. Yeah, I'm scared of. But Bruno's I feel feet. like it's also the same way for the Maulers as well. Like like just what you said, stout defense. But uh, it, this, this it, game might be like nine to twelve. Yeah. Will this offense show up? Will whoever whoever's offense shows up, that's who wins the game. If you're betting on the Northern game, the Northern Divisional Championship under. game, bet under on the south on the Southern bet over. For sure. Yeah. And then on the championship, I'd probably bet over because there's going to be the Stallions in there. So, <laughs> <laughs> But uh, we really appreciate everyone for tuning in to this final episode of the uh, the little sub-series of USFL and Chill for this season. This this and the Power Rankings sub-series will be back for season three of the USFL, but uh, this will be the final one of this, this season. So anyone that's been tagging along and tuning in, we really appreciate that. And Hope you guys enjoyed our USFL coverage, and uh, we will be doing a post-divisional championship game, uh, northern and southern divisional championship game episode, and then we'll be doing a post-championship game episode that will probably tie in with the uh, the, the season two recap. Yeah. So we'll probably two more episodes after this for the USFL for this season, and then during the off season I'll do some league update stuff and. Uh, it'll probably be very minimal, but make sure you guys are staying tuned on our Instagram and Twitter at P-Time Reports. There's tons of USFL content on there, as well as other alternative stuff like XFL, Power Slap, and 
Uh, we're we're going to get some more active on the NFL and UFC and stuff like that. There's so, just so many sports. There's just so much to cover, and as well as the Rowdies and some USL, Premier, and fucking MLS. I mean, there's... there's City, uh, it's just getting Bundesliga. it's getting crazy out here, but we're yeah. definitely trying to grow and expand. And like uh, I was talking about a couple episodes prior and a little announcement, but uh, a couple of the boys might be doing some solo episodes um, for the pod. So expect more content, uh, probably regarding anime, video games, soccer, m- soccer, music, basketball. You know, just immerse yourself in some of the knowledge that maybe uh, some of us can maybe give you or maybe even if you want to interact with us on our socials or something like that you can inform us on stuff that you're um you know educated on and stuff be interactive with us we really appreciate that support and stuff so uh, again thank you everyone for tuning into this episode and make sure you guys take care peace peace somos rodis